wife, Amber, is going to come and deliver the word this morning. How many of you guys are excited about that? Will you come on up? And so I am, uh, I'm excited that she's going to preach, and uh, yeah, so thank you. Yeah, but before, did I turn my microphone on? I've never worn this Britney Spears thing before. <laughs> Frankly, my hair keeps getting caught in it. I don't know how you, no, oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well played. Before Matt leaves, um, I just want to pray over him as a congregation, because Matt is actually leaving on Wednesday to go to Haiti. He will be there for a missions trip. Um, with a program called Feed One. And so his main purpose is going to be there to um, help feed orphans and families that were affected. Haiti has just been beat, you know, between hurricanes and earthquakes, and it's just a terrible, terrible season for them. And so Matt is leaving with a a group of other pastors. He's going to be there Wednesday through Saturday. So if you think of him this week, please pray for him. And then we're going to pray for him today, this morning, right now, too. So Lord Jesus, I just pray that you keep Matt safe, Father, while he's in Haiti doing your work. Lord, I pray that you bless his time there, that you help him to see the things that you have called him to come to see. Father, that you give him your discernment and your wisdom as he's working with this group. And Lord Jesus, I just pray for physical and spiritual uh, protection over him as he's there. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you. As the wife left behind with the kids, you can always pray for me too. Although I'll tell you, my girls are pretty easy these days, and they dress themselves and almost make their own lunches. Um, And almost school's almost over. Yay, amen, right? So I'm excited to share with you this morning for Mother's Day. I consider it an honor to stand before you and and share some thoughts that I have. Um, You know, I believe that some people ask me, I can't believe Matt makes you work on Mother's Day. But listen, listen, here's the thing. When he doesn't have to preach on Sunday, it means that his mind and his time are available to focus 100% all week long on the most important thing, my gift. So (laughs) I'll always preach for you on Mother's Day. You just keep those gifts coming, babe. (laughs) Last week, we started a series on prayer called Upload Complete. And I think if you read that you know, verbatim, it's upload complete, right, with the question mark. The idea of prayer to God is God hearing our prayers. You know, when we pray, where does it go? And, and so Matt shared with us from Ephesians 3, and he specifically talked about the dynamite power of God and how there is more power available to us than we think. Matt challenged us all to be praying last week for something big. Did we do it? Did everybody pray last week for something big and something specific that you need in your lives right now? If you didn't, that's okay. This is your refresher reminder. Um, You can do it this week still. So, but this week, I am going to share with you about the idea of impossible prayers. Impossible prayers. And I figured that this went hand in hand with motherhood because let's face it, motherhood is full of impossible prayers, isn't it? Like right from the beginning, when you start to think, how is this baby going to be born? How does something this big come out of my body, right? Like, that's an impossible prayer. Here, not to scare anybody who's pregnant here this morning, because there are a couple of you. Here's another impossible prayer that I personally have had to say. Dear Lord, please let this black Sharpie marker come off of my couch cushion. Please, God, please. And then there's one that probably more of us would, than would like to admit have prayed, Lord, please let that be chocolate and not poop. 
you know you have been there and you're lying if you say that has never happened to you. Because motherhood is full of impossible prayers. Now, it's not just motherhood that is full of impossible prayers, is it? I would challenge that most of you here this morning have either faced an impossible prayer or you are currently facing an impossible prayer in your life. What impossible prayers have you made to God? Maybe it's the salvation of a loved one in your life who is so far from God and you continue to share the gospel with them and you try and you encourage them, but you see no hope that they will ever one day love the Lord. Maybe it's for a chronic illness or some sort of ailment in your body that you've just learned to live with for years and years and years, but deep down inside, really what you want more than anything is for God to just completely heal you from it. Maybe it's something that you lost that you want to be reconciled, a relationship or, or something that you no longer have that you just miss and you ache inside and you think, I really want that back. But the way that that left your life was just so terrible, you know that there's no hope. There's no way. It's going to be impossible for you ever to experience that again. What impossible prayers do you have? We all have impossible prayers, don't we? We all have something. But here's the thing. God loves impossible prayers. He really does. God, the creator of all that is, lives in the realm of impossible, doesn't he? Only God can make the impossible possible by his might and his dynamite power. And he wants to do the impossible for us. So this morning, I want to ask you, how do you ask God for the impossible? How do you ask God for the impossible? We're going to look at a story in Matthew 15, verse 21, and if you have your Bible, you can turn there with me now, or it will be up on the screens. This is a story about a mom, because it's Mother's Day, and I know that's what you all paid your money to be here for, right? Mother's Day. (laughs) This mom is facing an impossible prayer. She has a daughter who is very, very sick. And I'm talking to the point where her daughter will probably die from what she is ailing from. This mom has, because as all moms, we will do whatever it takes for our children, right? So this mom has probably done everything she possibly can think of to help her daughter. She has seen all the local um, wise folks, the healers, the doctors, anybody who might have any kind of advice for her. She's probably tried crazy remedies that she thought might work. Whatever it takes, this mom has done it, and it has not worked. Her daughter is still sick and has no hope. She is probably feeling like things are possible. She has come to the place where she only has one last hope, and that was an impossible prayer to Jesus. So we're going to go ahead and read Matthew 15, verse 21. It says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman also known as a Gentile woman, Canaanite, Gentile, same thing, from the vicinity, came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. 
So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. She came and worshiped him. And she said, Lord, help me. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. This mom came to Jesus with an impossible prayer, and he answered it. Now, this morning, I want to look at the three things she did when she came to God with her impossible prayer. How do you ask God to do the impossible? First thing that this mom did was she did it with humility. In verse 22, when it says she came to Jesus pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. There's significance in the way that she addresses Jesus here. She was a Canaanite woman, a Gentile, and Jesus was king of the Jews. He wasn't there for her. He was there for the Israelites. Those at the time in in Jesus' mission in 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 the Bible, his mission was for the Israelites, not for the Gentiles. So she is basically coming to him, and she calls him, son of David. She's acknowledging him as the Jewish king. She's basically saying he is ruler over a nation that had conquered her ancestors. He was essentially her rival. They had bad blood, right? She didn't really want to be coming to him to ask for help. He was somebody that had, in in the past, been hard on her ancestors. She is humbling herself and putting herself under Jesus' authority. She's asking for help from someone that given the history between their people, she probably didn't want to be asking. But she believes that Jesus is the promised Messiah, and he might be the only one who can help her with her request. It is not easy for her, as I'm sure you can imagine, but she was desperate for her daughter. She had done everything else. This was the last thing she could do. So she humbly accepts who Jesus is and asks for his help. Humility. Humility is just being able to ask for help. I need help, God. I can't do this. Why is it so hard for us to be humble? Why is it so hard for us to ask for help? Have you ever watched a toddler try and put their shoes and socks on? I mean, it is a painful process, and they do not want your help. Can I just help you? No, I do it myself. They do not want your help. So you stand by and watch your child, your toddler, struggle to get their socks on their foot, and they only get it about halfway up. So then when they start to put their foot in the shoe, it doesn't feel right, and you realize they're putting the wrong shoe on the wrong foot anyway, and you're like, I just want to help you. And then finally they get the shoe on the right foot, and they're trying to tie, and you're thinking, why did I buy my child ties? Like, they need Velcro, right? What was I thinking? So they're there, and they're trying to do the over the bunny and through the woods, and, and you're like trying to do the hand motions to help them, and he's just looking at you like, what is wrong with you? And you're starting to think we are five minutes late as it is. Maybe I could just convince him to wear some flip-flops and we could just leave with that, maybe. (laughs) They don't want your help. They are not going to ask for help. 
And then you start to worry, if I do help them too much, will they never learn how to tie their shoes and there'll be a 14-year-old boy in school who has to wear the Velcro shoes and is made fun of all the time. But they don't want your help. Some of you in this room are facing the impossible situation today that you need help with. But like that toddler, you are not asking for help. I don't want your help. I can do it on my own. I don't need God. I can do it on my own. I'm strong enough. I can do this. It's okay to let your toddler struggle and work on their shoes. But what we struggle with in life are impossible prayers. You need help, and it's okay. It's okay to ask for help. Maybe it's your pride that keeps you from asking. Maybe you're worried what people will think of you if you ask for help. Are you afraid if they know the truth about you, what they will suddenly start to think? Are you scared to lose something if you're honest about what's really going on in your situation? Maybe your relationship with your spouse has been in a really rough situation over the last few months, maybe even years, and you guys just can't seem to reconcile with one another, but you don't want to ask anybody for help because you don't want them to think that you're a bad person or your spouse is a bad person. But in reality, if you come to your small group and you say, I'm struggling, I need help, you humble yourself and you ask those around you and you say, can you please pray for me and my husband and can you please help us? Can you be a sounding board for me to tell you what's going on? And I know that you're a safe place to discuss this. They're not going to say, you're doomed. Good luck with your divorce. They're not going to say that. They're going to say, yes, I'm here to help you. Maybe you're fighting an addiction that up until this point you've been able to keep pretty secret. But now it's starting to spill out in your life in ways that you know other people are starting to notice. And you feel like maybe, you know, you can just be strong enough to get over it yourself. But that hasn't worked over the last few months, maybe even years. So what are you going to do? Would you actually humble yourself and come to somebody that you know can help you, who can help you as you're healing through the process, keep you accountable, get you the help that you need? It's hard to ask for help. But 2 Chronicles 7:14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Humble yourself and pray. Why do we pray to God? Doesn't he already know our needs? Like he already knows them even better than we do. And he already knows them so much so that he knows the end result of our needs. Why do we pray to God? It's to remind ourselves that we are dependent on him. Humble yourself and pray. We need God's help. We can't conquer the struggles in our own life without him. We need God's grace, we need God's love, we need God's mercy. And we humble ourselves and pray and ask him for that help. Now, back to the story. It's probably hard enough for this mom to humble herself to Jesus and ask for his help. But Jesus wasn't alone in this situation. His disciples were there with him. 
So now you have Jesus, the all-powerful king of the Messiah, the Messiah, the king of the Jews, this amazing man. And then you have his entire entourage, which are also very powerful, kind of big, scary men. You know, they were not like very clean cut and, and, and you know, they were fishermen and, and rogues and they looked really tough and powerful. And you have this woman who doesn't belong here. She's not a part of what they're doing. She is completely an outsider, and she has approached this large group of men, and she's a woman, no less, so culturally, that was very, you know, no-no. But she comes to him, and she says, please help me. She's crashing their party. She was a bother. She was a distraction. And the disciples let her know exactly how they felt about that. She makes her plea to Jesus, right? She says, my daughter has a demon in her, and it's severely tormenting her. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. But his disciples said something. They certainly had no problem chiming in, right? They say, Jesus, get rid of her. Tell her to leave. She is bothering us with her begging, They're basically saying, this mom isn't worth your trouble, Jesus. We don't care about her. We're not here for her. Get rid of her. She's bugging us. This mom is facing strong opposition, but she still doesn't give up. Sometimes when you are asking God for the impossible, you have to do it with persistency and endurance. This mom had endurance. I'm sure at this point, she is hopeful that Jesus is going to change his mind, right? She made her request, and he didn't say anything. I mean, he he didn't say no, technically. He just didn't say anything. I know in my household, if I don't say no, my kids assume that's a definite yes. So maybe she's hoping for the same with Jesus here. With everything up to this point against her, she still pushes forward. She has endurance. When Jesus didn't answer, she didn't leave frustrated or discouraged or angry. Instead, she waited. When the disciples told her to quit bothering them, get rid of her, she's wasting Jesus' time, she didn't leave. She endured. She continued to ask. This mom will not take no for an answer. She knows that she has nowhere else to turn. Jesus is it. This is her last hope, and she is not going to give up on it. She is clinging to the only one who can answer her prayer. Now, I'm not going to pretend that endurance isn't hard. Endurance is hard. Anybody who has ever trained for any kind of a long stretch of running, I know you're probably surprised to hear that I am not a marathon runner, but I am not a marathon runner. But you can't just one day decide, I'm going to run a marathon. If I went out and tried to run 26 miles, you would be visiting me in the hospital next week. You have to train. You have to work at it. You start with a little bit at a time and a little bit more and a little bit more so that that one day when it's your time to run that marathon, you're ready because you have endured all the training and the heartache and the blisters on your feet and the diarrhea that a lot of running gives you. You have endured all of that to get to your goal that day. I bet you didn't know that. Did you know that? That marathon runners sometimes, it's really not not pretty. (laughs) That's why I'm not a marathon runner. Yep, that's it. (laughs) Uh, Endurance is hard. You have made this request a million times, but nothing has changed. You have prayed for your child over 
and over again, but they are still making bad decisions that are hurting you and your family. You have asked God for a new job every single day for the last year, yet no doors have opened and you are still where you don't want to be. Endurance is hard. What do you do when you get silence from God for your prayers? Do you give up? Do you endure and keep fighting? Do you keep asking? Or do you just quit because it's easier and clearly God isn't even listening? He's not answering you. Do you keep trying? Hebrews 10, 36 says, you need to persevere, endure, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. It doesn't say when you ask, God will deliver immediately. It says persevere, endure, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. God may not answer when you think that he should, but that doesn't mean that you should quit. Because look, in the story, eventually God does answer. He does speak to her, and he says, I was sent only to help the people of Israel, God's lost sheep, not the Gentiles. Okay, now this is not the answer that she is looking for, right? But... Still, she endures, and she comes back to Jesus, and she says, but she came and worshiped him and pleaded again, Lord, help me. Now, note, she worshiped him. She called him Lord. She's not being rude. She's not being disrespectful. She's still addressing him as Lord. She's still trying to honor him. She's still being humble, but she is still asking And he says, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Did Jesus just call her a dog? Like, is that what just happened there? (laughs) Because it kind of seems like Jesus just called her a dog, right? Like, if you read the scripture, Jesus is not calling her a dog. But what Jesus is saying is he's making a distinction between the Gentiles and the Israelites. And it refers back to verse 24 when he says that he was sent here for the Israelites, not the Gentiles. Basically, the Jews are the ones that Jesus has come to feed. And he is calling them the children. And he's saying that the Canaanites are the dogs. The children get fed first. At this point in Jesus' mission, remember, he was here to serve the Jews first. It was later that he extended his mission to everyone, Jews and Gentiles. But here, when he says what he says about the dog, he's making a distinction between the two. Now, even though Jesus isn't actually calling her a dog, he's still challenging her. He still hasn't said yes. He's still challenging her. But she doesn't get offended. She didn't quit. Because when you ask God for the impossible, not only do you have to have endurance, but you also have to have faith. Faith. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even dogs are permitted to eat crumbs that fall beneath their master's table. Her answer here is awesome. She uses the wording and the phrasing that Jesus used about the dogs and the children, and she uses it right back with Jesus to show him, I understand 
what you're saying. I know who you are. I know why you were called here. But I just want a small crumb, a small piece of what you have to offer. Now, I'm a mom. I know a lot about crumbs, right? I'm sure you guys have all held a small child in your lap while they ate a graham cracker. You are covered in crumbs. I have walked through the kitchen that I swept like 10 minutes ago, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm dancing on crumbs everywhere. As a mom, I have even cleaned out the crumb tray at the bottom of a toaster. Probably some of you don't even know that there's a crumb tray in the bottom of your toaster, do you? I mean, come on, be honest. Like, you guys are like, what is she talking about? There's a tray under your toaster that collects all of your crumbs. Crumbs. They're small. You know, they're not real big. If you're wondering why everybody's getting up, it's because I told the worship team, please come back up on stage when I say, when I'm talking about the crumbs, because I always forget to say, if the worship team will please come back up on stage now, I'm going to be closing. <laughs> but I'm going to be closing. So Mother's Day brunch, get excited. Crumbs are not big. Sometimes you have to look hard to find them. After reading this scripture, I was amazed at the faith of this mom. She knew that even the leftover scraps, the crumbs, the tiniest pieces of God's love would be enough. She had faith in God's boundless love, faith in his limitless power, and she knows that even the crumbs off of the table would help her daughter. At some point, all of us have been this mom. At some point in our lives, we just wanted a small crumb of God's love. We were the outsider looking in. We were in a place we didn't belong. We had people tell us, you are not worth helping. You are not why I am here. I don't care about you. You're not the reason I came. But we had the faith to continue to ask for God's grace. We had the faith to receive the crumbs, and we found that it was more than enough for what we needed. Woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Jesus isn't even where the daughter is. And he, like that, instantly, his dynamite power healed her. Because of that mom's faith, and that mom's endurance, and that mom's humility, Jesus healed her daughter. We all have the tendency to get discouraged when we focus on how big or how impossible the task is before us, don't we? We all start to feel like, I just can't do it. There is no point in me trying. This is too much. This is too big. There's no way I'll ever do this. It's impossible. This is an impossible prayer, and it feels overwhelming. We feel like we don't have enough strength. We feel like we don't have enough resources. We just can't do it. But we have to remember, when we are asking God for the impossible, nothing is impossible for God. We must realize that we are not alone. God is powerful and he is with us through every storm and in every danger of our life. 
The other day I read this story about a house that had caught on fire and there was a family inside the house and there was a two-story house and the parents' uh, bedroom was downstairs and the kids' bedrooms were upstairs. And the, the house caught on fire and this little boy woke up in the middle of the night and realized what was going on. He could smell the smoke and he could hear kind of the crackling and he was scared. But he managed to remember the training that he had with his family of just get out the window, get out the window and get on the balcony. And, and so he gets out, he, first he calls for his parents, mom, dad, are you there? And, but nobody answers. So he says, okay, I'm just gonna get out. I'm gonna get out of the house. So he climbs out this window and he comes out on the balcony and he can't see anything. There's smoke and it's black and, and he, he's scared and he's crying. But then he hears his mom's voice and his mom's voice says, I'm here, I see you, jump, I'll catch you. And this is his only hope because the house is burning and it's going up in flames and the longer he stands there, the more the fire is starting to just build and build. And the little boy says, I can't, I'm, I'm scared. Mom, I can't see you, I, I can't jump. And the mom says, I can see you and that's all that matters. Jump and I will catch you jump and I will catch you. God breaks through in our lives if we don't give up on prayer. Sometimes we feel the darkness of life just like that little boy was surrounded by the flames and the smoke and we don't see the way out. We don't know how we're going to get rescued. We feel like the situation is impossible. But with humility and with endurance and with faith, God says, I see you, and that's all that matters. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am here to rescue you, and you will be okay. You can trust me. We must realize that God is there and that he will catch us even though we cannot see our way through. Don't give up on your impossible prayers because with God, all things are possible. If you'll stand with me, I'm gonna pray over you. I wanna pray over the impossible situations that you're facing in your life right now. And I just wanna encourage you that we're gonna have prayer teams on either side of the stage this morning as we sing one more song. And those teams are here with the intent to pray for you this morning. You may feel like things are impossible. You may feel like you don't know what the answer is going to be. But God says, I got this. Nothing is impossible for me. So if you need somebody to stand with you for a specific situation in prayer this morning, I want to invite you and encourage you to find the folks on the side of the stage and pray with them. You don't have to be a member of our church for us to pray with you. This could be your first time here and we want to pray with you because we believe in the impossible dynamite power of God. Lord Jesus, I just thank you. God, I thank you that you are the God that can do the impossible. I thank you, Lord, that your love and your grace and your mercy and your power are bigger than anything that we could ever imagine. Lord, I thank you that you know our needs, that you know our prayers, that you know the impossible situations that we are facing and you love us anyway. Lord, I just pray that you would bless the folks that are here today. Lord, help them, God, to find hope 
Lord, help to give them endurance. Lord, help to give them humility. Father, give them faith for the things that you see that they are facing this morning. God, we just pray over our mothers. Lord, bless them richly as they go out and celebrate with their families. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to come together with you this morning and to honor you. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful Mother's Day.